We'll hear argument now on number 93376, Keytronic Corporation versus the United States. Mr. Schneider. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court, this case raises a question of statutory construction. Keytronic submits that the Federal Superfund Statute, or CERCLA, authorizes the recovery of attorney's fees by private parties where they undertake cleanup and then take steps to compel others to participate in the cost of the cleanup. CERCLA Section 107A4 provides for the recovery of response costs by parties. The term response is defined in Section 101.25 to include enforcement activities. Where a party imposes the liabilities and obligations of CERCLA on others by undertaking cleanup and then compelling others to share in the cost of cleanups, those actions constitute enforcement activities within the meaning of the statute. The term enforcement activity, as that term is used in CERCLA, includes attorney's fees because the primary enforcement activity in the context of Section 101.25 and in the context of Section 107 is a suit to impose the liabilities and obligations of CERCLA on parties that have caused environmental contamination. Because that's already occurred, isn't it, uh, prior to the stage that we're dealing with here? Yes, Justice Souter, in this case that has already occurred. And it, it may have indeed have occurred because of, of, of uh, action commenced by non-government parties, but there's, there's sort of an obvious uh, reference to them as enforcers in the citizen suit provision. So it's not on the face of it obvious that, that a, a, a person in the, in the position of your client is enforcing as opposed simply to spreading the, the, uh, the burden of liability. In the context of uh, Superfund Justice Souter, uh, the meaning of the word enforcement activities does include the activities of a private party. As this court recognized in the Union Gas decision, uh, EPA does not have the resources to engage in activities at all of the sites across the country. And so Congress in CERCLA expressly for, provided for and encouraged private parties to engage in uh, cleanup and then to bring cost That's recovery. That's citizen suit provision. Uh, no, no, Justice Souter. The citizen suit provision is in Section 9659, and a citizen suit can bring an action to compel the EPA to act if there's a violation of a standard. Section 107 provides for a right to recover response costs. The definition of response costs is defined in Section 101.25, and Section 101.25 is a section of general application. It's a definitional section to define the word response cost. A response cost is something that a private party may recover. Is, may, may I ask you one other question? I should know the answer to this, but I don't. Is there a separate counsel fee provision for citizen suits? Yes, Justice Souter. Section 9659 provides that when a citizen brings a, quote, citizen suit under Section 9659, it may recover its attorney's fees. But that is the only relief that a citizen suit plaintiff can recover. In CERCLA Section 1, a citizen suit plaintiff under Section 9659 does not have the ability or the authority to bring an action to recover response costs. That is limited. Can they get investigative, investigators fees and so on? No, Justice Souter, they Strictly cannot. limited to counsel. The only, the only uh, monetary reimbursement that a citizen suit plaintiff can recover under Section 9659 are the attorney's fees enforcing the EPA to act. No other monetary reimbursement. In contrast, Section 107, which is an action for cost recovery, which applies both to the government and to private parties, states that parties can recover their cost of response. Section 101.25 specifically defines response to mean enforcement activities. 
In the context of a Superfund site, the primary enforcement activity will be an action to compel other parties pursuant to their statutory obligations to pay their fair share of cleanup costs. Uh, um, um, typically what happens is one party will undertake cleanup and pay for the entire cost of the cleanup. That party will then bring an action to enforce the statute to compel other parties who are also liable under the statute to pay for their fair share of the cleanup costs. What, what happens if a party does not think it's liable at all but thinks that uh, parties A, B, and C are? Uh, that would be an enforcement activity if that non-liable party is able to establish that the other parties are liable under the statute to pay portions of the response costs. And, and does he bring a, a suit other than for money? No. Uh, uh, Justice Kennedy, the only relief available for a cost recovery plaintiff is to recover costs that have been spent for cleanup. By definition, a cost recovery case under Section 107 requires the plaintiff, whether it's the government or a private party, to undertake cleanup to spend response costs and then bring an action to recover those costs. Um, it, the government right to uh, recover attorney's fees comes from still a different section, doesn't it, under the legal studies section? Uh, Mr. Chief Justice, that's correct. Prior to uh, the passage of the amendment of CERCLA in 1986, the United States relied on Section 104B as well as Section 107 to recover the cost of uh, attorney's fees in bringing these types of actions. Uh, prior to the amendment of Superfund in 1986, all of the lower courts held that the government was entitled to recover its fees under Section 104B as well as under Section 107. Keytronic submits that if the, and the, the language used in Section 104 was cost of legal study or investigation. Keytronic submits that if the term cost of legal study or investigation is sufficiently explicit to authorize the award of attorney's fees, then certainly the word enforcement activities, which appears in the section of general application to both private parties and the government, also is entitled to recover its attorney's fees. The reason that an enforcement activity includes attorney's fees is because the primary enforcement activity within the meaning of Section 10125 and Section 107 is an action to compel other parties to pay their share of cleanup costs. Enforcement activities means the actions that are undertaken to enforce the statute. In most cases, as a practical matter, the, word, um, uh, the activities will be undertaken by attorneys. And so the most logical reading of the phrase enforcement activities includes, the includes attorney's fees. But enforcement activities is broader because there are some activities that will be undertaken not by attorneys. For the word enforcement action, enforcement activities usually refer to government action, action by government agencies. No, that is not correct, Justice Ginsburg. As this court noted in the Cargill case where the court was construing Section 4 of the Clayton Act, the court characterized a private action under Section 4 of the Clayton Act as a private enforcement action. Uh, in the Alieska decision, this court stated that Congress often encourages private parties to act by awarding attorney's fees, and that will allow for, quote, private enforcement of the statute. Well, but, so, that, but that's a quite different. And I mean, the, the Sherman Act situation, you're talking about a party who's been injured going after the wrongdoer. That's quite a different situation from one wrongdoer who has been compelled to cough up the entire uh, compensation for the wrong going after another wrongdoer to, 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 to get back uh, uh, some of what he's paid. Uh, that seems to me not... I would not normally call that enforcement. I would call it contribution. Uh, with all due respect, Justice Scalia, 
in, under, the, under the Clayton Act, a party is taking steps to enforce, its, to enforce the liabilities against those parties who have undertaken activities prohibited by the antitrust statute. In CERCLA, the word enforce is used to enforce the liabilities and obligations of the statute. For example, in CERCLA, a party is liable if it arranges for the disposal of hazardous substances. To enforce the statute in the context of Section 101.25 means to make sure that that party that arranged for the disposal of hazardous substances pays for the cost of cleanup. In the, um, I would note that even both prior to the amendment of superfunding... Can you give another example of a federal statute where enforcement action or enforcement activity is... Uh, is that the, the act, actor is someone who is himself liable for um, violating some prescriptions of, of the statute, who has a liability as distinguished from someone who is either private attorney general or has been injured in fact and is bringing a claim against a wrongdoer. Uh, offhand, Justice Ginsburg, I cannot think of another example. But the CERCLA is a unique statute which uses the word enforcement in Section 101.25, which is a definitional section. It says for, for, for purposes of Section 107, in defining the word response, uh, that word response includes the words enforcement activities. Uh, the reason that CERCLA is a unique statute is because in, in 1986, when Congress amended the Superfund statute, the legislative history was replete with references as to what an utter failure uh, the Superfund program had been. The legislative history contains many references explaining that EPA simply was unable to make the Superfund program work by itself. The response, Congress decided to fix that problem by giving more incentives to private parties to act. One of those incentives was in Section 101.25, enabling private parties to recover their cost of enforcement activities, which we submit is, includes attorney's fees. The language of the statute is, is unlike virtually any other statute, and, and this Court has recognized in the um, Exxon decision that is, in fact, it is an inartful statute. But what Congress decided to do in Superfund was to make sure that any party, whether it was a governmental party or a private party, whether it was a liable party or a non-liable party, any party that undertook cleanup could then bring an action to recover its cost. And it used the term enforcement activity in a section which expressly applies to any party, liable or non-liable, governmental party, or private, private party. You, you want us to construe the term under the policy that the, 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 of the amendments, which was to induce private parties to act. As I understand it, no one has an inducement to act under the circumstances that your client acted unless that person has already been found liable and otherwise, as Justice Scalia said, would have to pay the whole tab. Uh, so that the, the, the public, as a practical matter, gets nothing uh, from uh, the recovery that you want. Uh, the, the problem has been identified, someone has been made liable, and somebody's got to pay the bill. And I don't see why Congress uh, had any reason to induce this action. Uh, Justice Souter, with all due respect, in this particular case, Keytronic acted, well, Keytronic has never been held liable. It acted voluntarily immediately after contamination was discovered. But what Congress noted... In, it didn't contest liability. No action had been brought. It started its actions in 1980, three years before the EPA was involved, uh, ten years after before... I'll, I'll grant you that, but is, isn't it fair to say that basically the, what your client was doing was essentially uh, what, what might be called a, a preemptive strike? I mean, ultimately, what it wanted to ensure was that it would not end up 
paying the whole bill. Uh, Justice Souter, there is nothing in the record which would support that statement. But regardless of what happened in this particular... Why else was it doing it? I mean, it, it, it has not contested liability. You don't argue here that it would have been free of liability. Uh, and, and what else was it doing? We don't argue that it would have been free of liability, but a case was never brought. What Congress did, though, in 1986 was it recognized there were not enough Keytronics in the world to make the Superfund process work. Congress in 1986 noted that EPA had not done its job. It was simply too enormous a task to be undertaken by EPA alone. And this court recognized that in the uh, Union Gas decision. Congress did not think it enough to give the tools only to EPA. As a result, it also encouraged private parties to act. The question, Justice Souter, you raised as to what is the public gets as a result of this cleanup, what the public gets is a clean site that might otherwise not occur. Congress, dis Congress had two goals when it passed the Superfund statute. One of the goals was prompt, uh, making sure that hazardous waste sites were promptly cleaned up, and the other goal was to make sure that those parties that caused the contamination would uh, pay for the contamination costs that they had caused. As a, as a practical matter, Congress chose as its mechanism to get to cleanup, it chose to arm private parties and the government with extraordinary abilities to enforce the Superfund statutes. You're, you're implicitly arguing, I guess, that two pockets are better than one, and that's what the public gets. Uh, Justice Souter, I am arguing that in the context of... Which I don't think is a bad argument, having made it myself. <laughs> I mean, but isn't, isn't that sort of what the, the, the point that you're making? Well, it is. It, is, it, is what it does get something because it gets a, a, another pocket to go after if the first one is not full enough. Absolutely. And the, word, and the reason Congress used the word enforcement activities and not attorney's fees is because uh, the enforcement activities could include the actions in this case, for example, where a private investigator was hired to do the gumshoe work to find out who disposed of hazardous substances at the Colbert landfill. Mr. Schneider, is, is the term uh, response or respond used anywhere else besides uh, Section uh, 107.4? Yes, Justice Scalia. It's used a number of other places within the statute. Well, I think your argument would be a lot stronger if if the only place in which uh, the term occurred was in this provision, because then that, uh, that specification that it includes enforcement activities would have to be referring to this section. But if it appears elsewhere, uh, it, it might, there might well be what Justice Souter and I would call genuine enforcement activities in, uh, in, in, in other sections that are involved. The, the, Justice Scalia, the, the problem with that argument is that if Congress had wanted only to give the right of attorney's fees to EPA, it could have done so by using the terms enforcement activities in the section that applied only to EPA, for example, in Section 104B, but it didn't do that. It could have put the right to recover uh, attorney's fees or enforcement activity costs in Section 107A4A, which applies only to the government, but it didn't do that. In defining the term response, in, defi in defining the word response, it put that definition in Section 101.25, and Section 101.25 defines the term response as that term is used in uh, Section 107A4B of CERCLA. The enforcement activity under CERCLA is to make sure that those parties that have caused contamination will pay for a portion of the cleanup cost. That's consistent with the common everyday understanding of the word enforce. Uh, in our brief, we've uh, set forth the position that a party wants to enforce its rights. 
that doesn't require governmental action. Or that there's an enforceable contract, that doesn't require enforceable action. This court's decision in the Alyeska case and in the Union Gas case both referred to the word enforcement without any consideration of governmental involvement. As a practical matter, the use of the word enforcement in the Superfund statute has to mean, has to include attorney's fees. Now, the United States appear, well, and maybe, maybe I should take a step back. Keytronics argument is supported by the fact that the phrase enforcement activity was added to the statute in a definitional section, uh, section 101.25. Prior to 1986, the word response meant uh, environmental investigation, technical services, cleanup activities. Prior to the amendment in 1986, all of the lower courts had held that the EPA was already entitled to recover its attorney's fees. In 1986, Congress put the words enforcement activity in section 101.25, which is a definitional section of general application. Since prior to the amendment, the phrase had all, since prior to the amendment, the EPA was already entitled to recover its attorney's fees, and since Congress put it in a section of general application... You're talking about subsection 25 now? Yes, that's section 101.25 of the Superfund statute. Well, sir, certainly the, the way the section, the, that 25 starts out, the term respond or respond, response means remove, removal, remedy, and remedial action. That's Certainly, you wouldn't think lawyers were much good for cleaning up waste or cleaning up a mess. That's correct, and we expressly rely on the new language which was added, the words enforcement activities. That's the language we rely on in order to um, establish that Congress intended both the government and private parties to recover fees. So that respond and response <clears throat> and remove now mean now include enforcement activities relating to removal or remedy. That is correct, Mr. Chief Justice. And in this case, an action to reallocate costs among liable parties is related to a removal action. It's removal in this, it's related in the sense... Well, that's rather attenuated, isn't it? Well, Congress used the word related, which is a very broad word, Mr. Well, Chief it, Justice. You know, it, 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 it's, it's a word that could have a broad meaning or could have a narrow meaning, depending on how one defines it. Certainly, it doesn't just spring, spring to one's uh, thoughts immediately that, uh, that, that there's that connection that you say. Uh, Mr. Chief Justice, um, um, Congress used the word related, and the common ordinary use of the term related means does it pertain to, does it relate to an action to reallocate cost of cleanup does relate to the cleanup. But there's a second argument that we raise, and that is actions to reallocate costs among liable parties will directly lead to cleanup. And the reason it will lead to cleanup, Mr. Chief Justice, is because if private parties know that they can undertake cleanup, spend the money, spend far more than their fair share of the cleanup cost, and then get um, a portion of those costs and attorney's fees back from other parties, they are far more likely in the first place to undertake cleanup. And so the, the use of the word related, we submit, is a very broad meaning, but even if one used a very narrow meaning, Congress decided that the mechanism to get to cleanup was to allow private parties, as well as the government, to enforce the statute. Um, if I could respond to the question of Justice uh, Souter, um, the United States argues that enforcement activities is something that only the EPA can conduct, but nothing in the statute or the structure or the language of the statute supports that argument. 
CERCLA expressly provides that any party, whether it's a governmental party or a private party, may undertake response action. And as this court noted in the Union Gas decision, EPA cannot address all of the sites across the country. Here, as a result, Congress expressly provided for and it encouraged private parties to act. Here, Keytronic did precisely the same things that the EPA does when it does enforcement activities. Keytronic did an environmental investigation, it prepared the cleanup plan, it performed a search for potentially responsible parties, it sued the Air Force, which was ultimately held liable, and then the Air Force finally paid. These are precisely the same steps that the EPA takes when it undertakes enforcement activities. Did, did Keytronic itself arrange to have any of the cleanup done? Yes. There were two phases of cleanup, Mr. Chief Justice. In the early phases, before the EPA got involved, Keytronic did the uh, environmental investigation. It provided bottled water. It provided a new water main so that uh, residents living near the landfill um, uh, would not be exposed to that. They also did, as I understand it, some excavation measures. But the real long-term cleanup occurred um, once the, after Keytronic prepared the consent decree which set forth the remedy in the case, that was the long-term cleanup. And the long-term cleanup, and it's going on today, is to pump the groundwater out of the water, pump the contamination out of the groundwater, and to treat it. That long-term cleanup occurred, as the district court found, because Keytronic acted to prepare the consent decree. We hired the scientists who prepared the work plan. Keytronic hired the lawyers who wrote the consent decree, which set forth the cleanup plan that EPA ultimately adopted and which the Air Force belatedly uh, contributed to. May I ask you a question? I'm just trying to piece the statute together as in your brief. 9607 is the liability provision, and it describes in subsection 4, any person and so forth shall be liable. Now, the any person referring to this case is the Air Force, right? That's correct, Mr. Shall be liable, then down to B, for any other necessary costs of response incurred by any other person, and that's you. That's correct. But now, does the, where does the source of your action against the Air Force come from? Is it in 96? Uh, no, unfortunately, Congress... I, I'm, let me just get the whole thought out so you can explain what my problem. I read 9607 as describing the liability that may be incurred in actions authorized by 9606. It follows the next one. And, and I thought you said earlier that the private cause of action in 9659 wasn't relevant here. That is correct, Justice Stevens. So, so if it relates to 9606, why does it authorize uh, payments to you? Uh, Justice Stevens, it does not relate to Section 106. Section 106 allows the EPA to seek injunctive relief. Section 107 is what gave the authority to Keytronic to recover its costs. Well, there's, and it, but it, there's no provision in 9607 authorizing a cause of action by... Keytronic against the Air Force, is there? Um, Justice Stevens, the only answer I can get is, is every court has, has considered this statute and says that the authority to bring a private action comes under Section 107. It's a, it's a very... An implied cause of action we're talking about. Well, Congress, every court has held it's an express cause of action. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that makes it wrong. I'm just trying to understand yes. how it fits into the statute. Maybe I could take a step back. The... Private, if a party seeks to recover the cost it has spent, the only mechanism it has, or the only mechanism at issue in this case, is Section 107, which applies to both EPA and to private parties like Keytronic. Justice Stevens, you are correct. The words do not appear in Section 107A, which would expressly authorize that. But all of the lower courts have held that private parties, when they seek to recover their costs under Section 107, that's their authority, and that applies both to the government and it also applies to private parties. 
Section 106, which Justice Stevens, you have referred to, allows the EPA to seek injunctive relief. Or Doesn't it also authorize actions by state agencies in some situations? Uh, in the event that the EPA has authorized the state agency to act. That's Basically, correct. they're governmental enforcement actions. That's correct, Justice. Uh, if there are no further questions, uh, I would like to reserve the remainder of my time for rebuttal. Very well, Mr. Schneider. Uh, Mr. Wallace, we'll hear from you. Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. Uh, we do not contest that there is an implied cause of action under uh, uh, 9607 uh, to recover contribution of costs, and that was confirmed uh, by Congress in adding a contribution provision in the 1986 amendments in 9613, uh, um, uh, uh, but that does not itself provide the cause of action. It provides guidelines for the cause of action, and uh, uh, Keytronic uh, has been paid its cost the, the, uh, of the cleanup. The issue here is its claim for attorney's fees, not for other costs. And if I may just amend one other factual point uh, uh, in uh, petitioner's response to a question, we do refer to a consent decree that Keytronic entered into at the bottom of page uh, three and the top of page four in our brief. Uh, now, they did not explicitly admit, admit liability, but they entered the consent decree which recounted actions that would have made them liable under CERCLA and, and uh, actions of uh, uh, depositing hazardous waste at this site. And this is consistent also with a jury uh, uh, trial that was earlier reached on the complaint of some neighbors uh, that we refer to in footnote two of our brief. So there has been some uh, uh, adjudications with respect to liability. Now, the, in our view, the issue in this case is controlled by the rule of this court's decisions in Alyeska and Runyon against McCrary, which hold that under the American rule, there has to be explicit authorization for the recovery of attorney's fees. And in Runyon against McCrary in particular, there was an effort uh, by uh, the plaintiffs to rely on what they argued was an implicit authorization in a broadly granted a broadly worded grant of remedial authority, and the court said, no, it has to be an explicit authorization for recovery of attorney's fees. Petitioner's claim here is, uh, rests on a request that the court build an inference upon an inference from the statutory language on which the petitioner relies, and that does not meet the standard. Mr. Wallace, how is the government's uh, desire to recover attorney's fees any, any easier to discern? There is an explicit reference to legal costs uh, incurred by the government. Not, uh, that is in section 104B, and we quote it uh, at the very bottom of page 13 and the top of page 14 of our brief, and it's the interplay of sections. Uh, including this one, which is the only uh, one uh, uh, that uh, uh, 
the government can rely on is explicitly referring to legal costs. Well, what about uh, states and Indian tribes? How does that lead their ability to recover attorney's fees in your view? Well, we think that they would enjoy that, uh, this, uh, uh, the fees under the same provision because they act only by delegation from us with respect to a particular site. When EPA, which has a delegated authority from the president, turns over uh, the, the uh, uh, lead responsibility at a particular site to the local uh, or... Doesn't sound very explicit to me as you describe it, does it? it it's or not as ideal as we would wish it, but of course that is not the question at issue in the case. One might say uh, it was building inference upon inference. Uh, <laughs> but at least, at, at least there is uh, a, a reference to costs of attorneys. Uh, well, Explicit in the statute. Excuse me, but that's not specifically what it says. It refers to costs of legal and other studies. I mean, yes. to speak of a cost of a legal study as being the way to to recover attorney's fees is a very odd use of language. I mean, it's it's not only a question of inference; it's a question of sort of wrenching, isn't it? Well. I understand that this language is not ideal uh, as a starting point for our own purposes. It was construed uh, by the lower courts to authorize uh, uh, EPA to recover attorney's fees, and that uh, was really uh, reconfirmed, uh, in our view, in the SARA amendments, which added the words enforcement activities. But the, the question in the case is not EPA's right to recover. The question is petitioner's right well, to no, recover. But if, if EPA is resting on a thin reed and, and you knock out the other block you might rest on, the next case might be a, an expensive one. Well, we, we, we have been sensitive to that problem in the way we have briefed this case, I can assure you, Mr. Justice. <laughs> and it has been the subject of much discussion. <laughs> uh, um, nonetheless, we, we can't responsibly ask the court to resolve that issue in this case, which doesn't involve that question. Uh, the, the but may I ask you if, if the, the word legal studies, maybe that fits in more with the Tenth Circuit kind of in-between decision in this case, no litigation fees but other legal fees. Well, it, it, it certainly fits in well with that, but we don't think it's limited to that because it, it, uh, the statutory phrase doesn't end there. Um, it says as it may deem necessary, appropriate to uh, and or appropriate to plan and direct response actions, uh, and that uh, includes enforcement activities. In our view, that uh, uh, could include litigation. As uh, but it, it, it is not ideally drafted from our standpoint. Nonetheless, there has been a course of judicial decision. Um, uh, upholding EPAs and uh, the Environment Division's uh, ability to recover uh, these fees as part of its enforcement activities, and we think Congress built upon that in the fair amendments in adding that reference to enforcement activities. But to get back to this case, petitioner has to, uh, uh, in order for its view to prevail, it has to have two inferences 
uh, not just one of the two, but both of them drawn in petitioner's favor. And the first inference is that enforcement activities standing alone without uh, the, the support, such as it is, of this reference at least to legal activities, um, uh, would be a, a reference to attorney's fees, explicit enough uh, to meet the uh, standard of Alyeska and Runyon. Well, if they don't and, include attorney's fees, what do they include when the private parties are just investigators and stenographers? Uh, well, of course, our view is that they don't include anything for a private party. That's the second inference. But, but uh, uh, if, uh, if there isn't agreement on that, then uh, we would think that uh, it would perhaps yeah, be... You can't, you can't really plausibly argue that costs of response do not include enforcement activity. That's the only thing that's clear in the text of the statute. In section of 25, course. but of it says response includes enforcement activities. Well, but you're disputing that. Uh, uh, we don't. We don't dispute that. Uh, we think that enforcement. Well, we don't dispute that. What is it that enforcement activities includes other than attorney's fees? When you're talking about private litigation. Uh, 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 the, the most direct things involved are the studies and non-litigation attorney time that would have to be involved in arranging for the cleanup. You're entering into contracts with the landfill companies and others who will you acknowledge that is covered in the private action. Well, we don't think that enforcement activities refers to that. Uh, we think enforcement activities refers only to the government, but we do think that those are appropriate response costs by uh, a, a um, private person uh, undertaking the cleanup activities. The line that we think is drawn... Well, what about the argument that, that enforcement uh, activities would be redundant because the <coughs> EPA was already getting it? Um, but, but that was being contested in litigation, and uh, this was a way of uh, reconfirming that EPA would have that authority. Um, so, Mr. Walsh, you can't give us an example of an enforcement activity uh, applicable to a private party that is not also covered uh, as in the term response? Well... I can't because we don't think enforcement activities applies to activities by private parties. Uh, if it did, what you say is just an empty set? No, uh, the, the, uh, I think it would be redundant of what they could already recover as responses. Uh, 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 and it was put in, uh, as the House report uh, indicated, we've quoted it right in the middle of page 23 of our brief, that this uh, uh, refers, this section also modifies the definition of response action to include related, en related enforcement activities. The change will confirm the EPA's authority to recover costs for enforcement actions taken against responsible parties. It was government enforcement that Congress had in mind in making this change. Yeah, I, yes, Mr. Wallace, I didn't mean to, but the enforcement action, that, that's you recovering government counsel's attorney's fees. Is that right? That is correct. How do they uh, compute those? How do they compute government counsel's attorney's fees? Well, is that the, on an hourly basis, as if market value like we do? In, 
uh, it, it's, uh, there's a, a complicated uh, accounting method that's used that attributes time spent uh, by uh, the uh, the hourly wages and fringe benefits that the attorneys get mm -hmm. on particular sites plus what would be regarded as an overhead factor mm -hmm. the, according to proper accounting methods. Right. Is it unusual for the government to be authorized by statute to recover its attorney's fees against someone it's litigating with? Well, uh, I can't uh, uh, think of, of any other example in particular. I can't either. But, but I, I do think that um, it, it, it uh, is not correct to think of this as a disparity between the government and private parties. What it may we're, not be if none of them can recover their attorney. Well, <laughs> that's true, uh, Mr. Chief Justice. But there... there the litigation in this area typically proceeds in stages. There is an initial stage to accomplish the cleanup, uh, and that is typically brought uh, not against all of the potentially responsible parties. There can be scores or even hundreds of those, many of which are relatively small factors. It's brought against somebody who's a major factor who can be depended upon, or maybe two or three who can be depended upon to get the cleanup done. And there are certain time bars that prevent other litigation from going forward until cleanups are accomplished. And then the second stage of litigation, which is what we are talking about in these contribution actions, is litigation in which these people who are jointly and severally liable and who tend to be relatively uh, uh, strong litigants uh, and relatively well-to-do can seek contribution from a large number of other potentially responsible parties who may be much uh, smaller uh, uh, contributors to the site, and there tends to be a considerable disparity of bargaining power between the litigants in these contribution actions to begin with, because the ones who are going to become the plaintiffs were selected because of their ability to clean up the site in the first place. And uh, uh, that uh, disparity in bargaining power uh, can be uh, considerably exacerbated in some cases uh, if there is also the potential liability uh, for uh, attorney's fees. I, I'm not saying that Congress had this in mind and made a conscious decision to bar uh, a recovery of attorney's fees in the contribution litigation, but I'm pointing out that Congress was aware of these underlying problems and one of the less admired aspects of the implementation of CERCLA, that the so-called transaction costs, which is a word that uh, has become part of the lexicon of environmental law, the uh, costs of litigation and of studies, uh, uh, the costs that are not directly involved in the cleanup itself, have been soaring. And Wallace, can you help me out? I reveal my ignorance about the whole program, but... Is it the fact, you mentioned the, 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 the deep pocket, uh, the person who's given responsibility, is it true that if you have 
say, three companies contributed to pollution of a particular site, and the, the very large company was only 75% responsible for the pollution, can that large company be made to pay 100% of the costs and then seek contribution from the others? So, so long as the uh, pollution has become mixed and has not, is not severable within the site, and so that the cover because it was had to pay in the first place include not only the physical costs of, of the of the actual engineering and so forth, but also the costs that it had to pay to the government for its enforcement activities. That's part of what it then seeks contribution for. It can get contribution for its cleanup, but we we're of the view that it cannot get contribution for its attorney costs for either trying to resist its liability to EPA or for uh, trying to find out who else was the contributors and getting the contribution because those costs can soar a good deal and can... Maybe the, maybe the total amount in dispute would be significantly reduced if we followed the American rule across the board. Perhaps so, uh, but considerable budgetary adjustments would have to be made in order for federal enforcement to be able to proceed. Mr. Wallace, uh, you, you acknowledged a bit earlier that uh, uh, it's, it's unusual, if, if not indeed unique, for uh, the federal government to be awarded its attorney's fees. Is it not also uh, unusual uh, and perhaps unique for the government to, to be able to recover its enforcement costs? apart from attorney's fees. you know of any other statute that lets the government get seen? Well, there are fee statutes in some agencies that um, require uh, uh, applicants for licenses to bear what amounts to the government's costs. They're, they're, uh, enforcement costs? I mean, well, they're not really enforcing costs. Enforcing violations of the law, I'm talking about. Well, your, your civil penalty statutes often do this. I guess that would be true. I, I, we haven't really given thought to analogies of that kind because the case before the court is not about the government's ability to recover. Well, I'm trying to help you, Mr. Wallace. Yes, I uh, just, just as well. You, <laughs> you may say it is unusual uh, to get attorney's fees, but it's also unusual to get enforcement costs. Uh, in for, in for, it uh, certainly is un, unusual. You were referring to statutes that we have user fees. Yes, user fees. It certainly is unusual to get a little closer to home here, and I appreciate uh, uh, all of these thoughts, but to get a little closer to home. I don't often help you, Mr. Wallace. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I should welcome it when it occurs. Uh, uh, um, uh, it certainly is unusual for attorney's fees to be available in contribution actions. Um, this is not the common law rule, and as a matter of fact, um, the, uh, the contribution provision itself says that it will be governed, that contribution will be governed by federal law, and the federal common law rule is the rule of Alyeska and of uh, Runyon against McCrary, that in the absence of explicit authorization, uh, uh, there should be no recovery of attorney's fees. Now, I, I, I don't think that it is for the court in this case to resolve whether it would be more desirable or less desirable for attorney's fees recoveries to be available uh, um, uh, in contribution actions. And I don't think that Congress uh, decided to bar the recovery of attorney's fees. What I do think is that the line that we see between actions that are taken uh, to remedy the 
pollution and assure that uh, a polluter rather than the public who is jointly and severally liable will bear the cost uh, the, the line between that and, and reallocating costs among polluters is a very rational line. Uh, and it's rational in terms of considerations that Congress was aware of in the course of considering this legislation. And I want to just refer very briefly uh, uh, to a, a couple of indications of that. Not because I say that Congress explicitly resolved it, because I, but because I think it shows the wisdom of applying the Alyeska rule here, that Congress could have rationally not wanted to proceed that far. Um, and one is in the Senate uh, committee report, which accompanied the 1986 amendments, uh, and the committee says that responsible sites often involve dozens or even hundreds of potentially responsible parties with differing types and degrees of involvement with the release. Uh, while the government may sue all potentially responsibilities, it need not sue all these parties. It may instead sue a limited number of parties to secure a complete cleanup or all costs of cleanup under the principle of joint and several liability. Generally, the government seeks to obtain complete cleanup. In some instances where the government has sued major contributors of hazardous substances to a site but not lesser contributors, the parties named by the United States have in turn sued other potentially responsible parties in the same judicial action. In several cases, this has resulted in massive and potentially unmanageable <laughs> litigation. Um, there is an amicus brief filed in our support in this case by a group called Sand Springs Superfund PRP Group, which claims to be put upon in this way, uh, uh, mostly because of claims for attorney's fees that are being made against it. I, I, I can't vouch for uh, uh, the uh, accuracy of what they say, but uh, it, it's an example of the kinds of complaints that have been made. Then on, in uh, supporting the conference report on the floor of the Senate, Senator Simpson, who was a member of the conference committee, pointed out to his colleagues, uh, there is not doubt that the immense transaction costs generated under Superfund, meaning lawyers' fees and the many technical and scientific studies required in litigation, have come to symbolize the worst excesses of the American legal system. Senator Domenici quoted Dickens' Bleak House in describing it last year, and he was right. We simply must work to have more societal resources spent on necessary and effective cleanup of Superfund sites and less on convoluted litigation, which merely extends any public health threat that exists from these sites. There, there, uh, there are plausible reasons why Congress might have wanted to draw the line that we think emerges on the face of the statute, and uh, reasons why there might have been concern that uh, settlements uh, that might be uh, uh, encouraged were attorney's fees available in the contribution phase of the litigation might sometimes be interorum settlements uh, rather than uh, uh, something that would move uh, the litigation along in a fair and, and just manner. In any event, 
when uh, the provisions on which petitioner relies are contrasted with the explicit provisions made for the award of attorney's fees, and I realize that these create some difficulties for us as well, but not as much. Uh, and we've set forth the citizen's uh, suit provision on page 13 of our brief. Justice Souter was asking about it earlier, where section 310F of CERCLA provides that a court, quote, may award costs of litigation, including reasonable attorney and expert witness fees, to the prevailing or the substantially prevailing party whenever the court deems such an award appropriate. This is far different. I understand that that's all you get under so the only, there's nothing, no other category that this can be placed under as distinguished from it, it, it still is, is a rather striking difference in statutory drafting, and this provision was added at the same time in the 1986 amendments that the reference to enforcement activities was added, which certainly uh, you know, makes no explicit reference to attorney's fees. And uh, then we refer uh, later in the same paragraph to section 110C of CERCLA, which uh, also is an explicit attorney's fee provision. Um, so we think that uh, um, uh, uh, there simply is not a sufficiently clear, there's too much ambiguity in resting on the double inferences that petitioner asked the court to draw to meet the standards of uh, Alaska and Runyon. Uh, and uh, as we've explained in the concluding pages of our brief, the request for non-litigation attorney's fees really should be evaluated under the same standard, whether these were office costs devoted to securing a remedy and actually doing the cleanup, or whether they were office costs devoting to reallocating the costs among consumers. Sorry, I have no further questions. Thank you, Mr. Wallace. Now, Mr. Schneider, you have five minutes remaining. Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice. Uh, the government contrasts the citizen suit provision, which uses the word attorney's fees, with the cost recovery provision, which uses the word enforcement activities. The reason Congress chose the word enforcement activities in Section 101.25 is because it's broader than attorney's fees to encompass the cost of, uh, incurred in enforcing the statute, which are not incurred by attorneys. For example, private investigator costs. The government draws a distinction between the fees that might be awarded when a party is not liable versus the fees that might be awarded when a party is liable. There's no basis for that distinction in the statute. Nothing in the language or the structure of the statute supports that distinction. And as a practical matter, that distinction does not make sense in the Superfund context because Superfund po imposes liability on virtually any party which is even remotely associated with the contamination. In fact, in many, if not most, of the cases that EPA brings, again, that the United States brings against one or two private parties, it's the United States Department of Defense, which is, in many cases, the largest polluter at that particular site. Um, with respect to the issue of uh, enforcement activities, meaning fees, I think that the government has acknowledged that the word enforcement activities in Section 101.25 includes attorney's fees. We agree. The government has contended that uh, the language in Section 101.25 confirmed EPA's right to recover fees. We agree. But Congress put that language of enforcement activities in Section 101.25, which was a section of general application not one that applied only to the uh, United States. 
Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Schneider. The case is submitted. The Honorable Court is now adjourned until tomorrow at 10 o'clock.